This is Dennis Ramondi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Vader. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our focus, contemporary spirituality. And our guest today, Jai Utal. Uh, he is a world music pioneer. He has performed worldwide, uh, you know, thrilled and enlightened audiences. Uh, I've spoken to a number of people that have heard your concerts, and uh, it's uh, not only an enjoyable experience uh, that people often get from music, but uh, most say it's very spiritual in its nature. So uh, thank you so very much for coming on. And I also wanted to mention your new album, Roots, Rock, Rama. So we'll also be discussing that today. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Jai, let's begin with a little background for uh, the people who might not be familiar with you and your work. Um, how did you come to the uh, study of and performance of uh, first Indian classical music and then uh, a kirtan? And uh, just give a little background for how it all came to be. Well, um, you know, I grew up in New York City. I'm 65 now, so I, I grew up, uh, you know, I was a teenager in the 60s in New York. And I was playing music since I was a very young kid. But um, when I, you know, during the 60s, I got really, really into Beatles and, you know, the whole uh, hippie flower child uh, side of, 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 of the hippie culture. And, you know, I, I got somehow or another, uh, I was very drawn to everything Indian. I don't exactly know why, you know, people use the word samskaras, which, is, uh, which means impressions from previous lives. I don't have recollections of that, so I can't say for sure. But uh, you know, just something awoke in me, and I was and I was listening to a lot of albums, whatever albums I could find. Ali Akbar Khan a lot, and Ravi Shankar, Shankar, and also uh, folk music albums from India, which were were few and far between. But I managed to get them, and you know, so I I, I was working on all this and really you know, getting into it, but with my guitar. But then when I went to college in Oregon, Reed College, the, the evening before my very first classes, Ali Akbar Khan performed, Ustad Ali Akbar Khan. For those of you who don't know, uh, he was considered the master, the modern master of Indian classical music. He's the elder to Ravi Shankar, and, and he died about five years ago, and I studied with him on and off for 40 years, uh, approximately. So anyway, at that moment, that ended my, <laughs> my college career. So I stayed at college for like a couple of months, um, failed music and failed religion, <laughs> and, and left Oregon and came to the Bay Area to study with Ali Akbar Khan. And, um, you know, so, so from then on, it's, it was such an absorption in... in in Raga and Tala and in, in the ancient, ancient devotional songs that he would teach us. Meanwhile, somewhere around the same time, I got involved w with a yoga group who, along with asana and meditation and pranayama, uh, taught us all kinds of very simple kirtan. Kirtans, you know, different prayers to different gods and goddesses. And, and you know, I, I, I just, I loved it, loved it, loved it. And so gradually I started bringing together both the classical music that I was learning from Ali Akbar Khan, 
the simple kirtans that I was learning, as well as the music that I grew up with, the pop music and soul music and R&B. My father was in the music business. So my whole life, you know, we, we were immersed in, in whatever was, was a hit at that time. And, and there you go. So then, mm. you know, years and years and years have gone by and my, my music has changed always. I, and I hope it always changes, but the mantra and the devotional aspects of it have been pretty much a, cons- uh, a, a constant since I was quite young. Right. Jai, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Ali Akbar Khan back in the 70s. He gave a concert at Marsh University back then, and I was on faculty, and I got to speak with him and hear him perform. And he was, he was amazing. And, and, uh, uh, and, but I actually almost saw him as, uh, you know, uh, not only a musician, but sort of like a guru, like a teacher of spirituality uh, on a very high level. Uh, and I'm wondering, with, when you studied with him, was it just about technical training music? Or was it about? Was he teaching you spirituality? Was he was and did he give you a mission, or did he uh, inspire you to uh, do something with your music uh, other than just entertain people? Um, that's a beautiful question. For Ali Akbar Khan, there was no difference between music and spirituality. To him, music was is a path to the divine and every note was a precious um footstep toward that that uh infinite light you know so so you know he didn't al didn't give lectures or classes about spirituality but but there was a a sense with him that you know because he could be very irreverent and he was like you know just a trippy amazing guy but but the the practice of music was was totally sacred to him, and and I think that no, I wouldn't say he gave me a mission, but he he was completely his mission was to imbue in all into all of his students that that understanding of the precious sacredness of every note and of every phrase and of every melody. Um, he would sometimes actually joke a little bit about kirtan because it was so simple and and you know he was teaching us the the subtleties the poof you know the the ancient yoga of sound and of of melody now when i first went to india in 1971 i met a man named neem karoli baba who was and is considered a great saint and a great siddha and we called him maharaji and in his temples, there was always kirtan going on, and still is to this day, even though he died in 1973. And the kirtan that I would hear there was breathtakingly beautiful. The singers, I don't know if they were trained classically, but they were immersed in the ancient raga tradition, and they were singing the repetitive mantras of kirtan. So it was, it kind of showed me that Though the practice itself is quite simple, the the musical content of it can be very, 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 very deep. And and so, you know, I, I, the mission, initially, uh, all my music has been about my own self-healing. Um, but gradually through the years, I, 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 it was a very slow process, I began to be made aware that what I was doing was really, really 
helping other people. And at first I couldn't, you know, like absorb that information at all. It went right over my head. <laughs> I couldn't let it in. But but slowly I have in a very, I feel, you know, humbling way, I feel that to be true now. And and so it you know, I don't like to use the word mission because it sounds so big. Mm-hmm. But but I do feel my uh, my own awareness of my own work has changed a little bit from self deep self cathartic healing to to a sense of service and and giving to others and that's been a gradual process but it's it's a beautiful process and yeah and and that would be very consistent with Neem Karoli Baba's uh, emphasis with his students yeah uh, it was, the service part of it right yeah always always uh, you know he said well, what good is a ritual uh, or or a you know, like a, a puja. What good is that when people are starving? He said, mm. you know, he said, he'd always say, love people and feed them. And, and you know, serve God, love people, feed them, remember God. It was, it's, it was very simple, but not simple. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, right, right. That's great. Um, Jai, people... Many of the people listening will be familiar with kirtan. That's the sort of ancient and timeless tradition of uh, chanting sacred mantras or names of of deities in a call-and-response fashion. Now, as far as I could tell in your work, you have always done that. And in the kirtan world where there's so many different musicians, there's been this wonderful, what to me wonderful, um, sort of fusion of that ancient timeless tradition uh, and mantras that, you know, people don't tamper with and introducing uh, different musical forms. And uh, in recent decades, Western, yeah. Western instruments, Western uh, in some cases, rhythms and so forth. How do you see that uh, integration? And have you ever had uh, people criticize the kirtan, the Western kirtan musicians, uh, for doing that? Well, um, I'll speak from a personal point of view. Um, from the very beginning, when I when I got got uh, attracted to this and um, I guess I could just say enchanted by the practice I was uh, from the from the get-go I, w- I was experimenting with with different kinds of music that could be uh, used to like to support the practice of, of the mantra singing uh, and the call and response aspects of that and so and then but in traveling around India even you know, from North India to Bengal to South India, the styles, the musical styles, you know, a, a, ancient traditional musical styles, are very very different, mm-hmm. and the mantras are the same. Right. And I, I got to see that that mm-hmm. even in the true <clears throat> tradition, um, the the aesthetic uh, calling of each musician of each singer. Um, and the, the desire to express oneself in one's unique way is completely a, a, a part of the tradition. Because in bhakti, 
which we, you know is roughly translated as devotional yoga, uh, but that's a whole other subject. But but the the personal prayer and call and emotion and mood of e- of each person is is what is expressed in their song and in their prayer and in their singing. So you know I, I from the very beginning felt permission to experiment, not not to experiment with the words. Because and and people do experiment with the words, and I'm always urging them not to, because mm. the the mantras are are that that's a science that goes back before time, and um, we're not educated enough to even begin to you know mix and match in that sense. But but I very early was, was you know felt like I had the permission to explore the music, so. I think for my very first album, uh, I, you know, I didn't sing that much at first, just, just because I, on my albums, I mean, because I was like super shy. And gradually, you know, as I evolved and as my music evolved, it, it became pretty much all about the singing. <clears throat> but, you know, every single album from the very beginning, I've exper- experimented with so many different kinds of music. Because I also feel like I'm a student of music and a mm-hmm. devotee of music, and 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 that goes also back to Ali Akbar Khan, who, although he was a, a, a you know a total traditionalist, he um, he encouraged us to become you know devotees of music, of of just mm-hmm. of melody, of rhythm, and and to follow that where where it leads. And mm-hmm. now, as far as have I ever gotten criticized for it uh or have i ever heard criticism about it um mostly myself mostly i've 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 had such positive 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 um re- response and feedback from the indian community at large I, I won't necessarily say that's true for every singer i can't say it i don't know mm-hmm. but um you know, it's just been super, that aspect of it. I remember right. in 1998 or 1999, something like that, I was invited to sing at the Miss India beauty pageant huh. uh, in, in India. And, and that was like a really crazy event. It's not what you would call a spiritual event. but Was it sponsored by Donald Trump? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, India is very big on beauty pageants. And I found when I got there, well, a couple of things. But one thing I found was that my music at the time was really big in the fashion industry there, and they used it for fashion shows and stuff. And but the reason I bring it up was because after my performance, um, I so many people came up to me, like from old people to to young, kind of hip, uh, urban, almost punky kind of people, to tell me that. From listening to my my music, they were brought back to their roots. Mm. That they, that they had become separated from from their own traditions, you know, because it was boring and it was grandpa and grandma. But then they <laughs> would hear me doing it in my own. Uh, well, I think with a great respect and understanding of the tradition, but also with my own sounds and my own approach and and. I got so much affirmation from that trip that I was on the right path because, you know, financially I was, gee, I was like less than broke. And I began to 
you know, have doubts about was there any value in what I was doing. Mm. Um, and so that was really, really, really a great, a great trip. So I, I, did, I, I wanted to yeah. ask you in terms of roots, uh, what was your own spiritual religious upbringing and how did your friend's family react to the, uh, your, your direction, spiritual direction with music? Well, my family was Jewish. Um, I, I think it was more ancestral slash social than actually spiritual. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was raised in the Jewish tradition and a bar mitzvah and we went to synagogue and stuff. But I never liked it. It never appealed to me. And then, then when I first went to India, my parents thought I was insane. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know, I came back wearing a dress. I probably was insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as the years as the years progressed, you know, they became well. They went through a lot of changes too, of course. But by the end of their lives, they were so 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 supportive and and appreciative of what I was doing. And you know, I guess they they understood that uh -huh. I. There's nothing else I was gonna do or knew how to do, so they might as well get on board. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, um, Jai. Uh, we're talking about a lot of the different influences uh, musically and spiritually that that you've had, and in in looking at your bio, there there are two influences that really stood out for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. One was Don Cherry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And people who don't know Don Cherry, um, he was, or I don't know, I think he he's he's no longer with us. But oh no, no, he's he died yeah. a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And but he was a really out there um, jazz improviser and a horn player. And um, and I, what what strikes me is having because when I was young and. Uh, pretending to be hip i i actually saw him perform in in greenwich village and and i remember thinking wow i can't i just can't deal with this but so it's it was very free form as i understand it and yet indian music is extremely disciplined so mm -hmm. how did how do you see the influence of of that he had on you well don Rather than, rather than calling him an influence on my music, uh. I, I would have to say that he was a friend and a supporter. And, uh, you, I mean, you know, like, like a, a, a cheerleader, so to speak, for me uh. Per personally. Uh. And by playing on my first album, you know, I paid him a little bit, but really it was a gift of his, of his energy and his time and his musicality. And it, and it, and it really helped me to get noticed from from the very very beginning oh. don was an amazing guy and and you know free avant-garde jazz I, I was really into it for for a while before i got so into indian music oh. and and then once i got into indian music uh yes as you said the discipline and the um the super attention to to intonation and um, the almost chemical formulations of the ragas um, just pulled me into a different place. But Don, also somewhere along the line, 
developed a real strong spiritual practice. He was initiated by some uh, great Tibetan Tibetan Buddhists, mm. and he and he went to India to study classical raga, wow. and. And and one of his teachers was also one of my teachers, a, a man named Z.M. Dagar, who was, was a Vena player, who was just like one of the greats, also no longer with us. So Don and I, aside from just like a, a, a beautiful affinity, we had a real commonality in, in, in our language and, and in, where, you know, in our intentions and our uh, endeavors. And he was really trying to bring some of the qualities of... of Indian music into his jazz world mm. and then you know he's such a sweet guy he was such a sweet guy and and um, also troubled you know uh, drug addiction and mm. he had some troubles and and he told me that his playing on my first album was his last what he considered really good playing because um, you know he had trouble with his teeth so mm. so playing the trumpet Oh, became, became more and more, um, you know, almost impossible toward the end. Uh, so, so I, I consider him a great friend and a great ally and a, a, a beautiful spirit. Dennis, um, could I ask a follow-up question? Ahead. Um, the <clears> other, <throat> the other influence that you you mentioned in your uh, work uh, was the Beatles, and um, there are a couple of things that um, stood out for me. One was when I was listening to the new album. To, uh, Roots Rock Rama uh, suddenly on one piece you broke into help yeah <laughs> and and I, I loved that and I thought well that's perfect because it was while making the movie help that George Harrison discovered the sitar so there's the Indian influences there you know somewhere just for that reason but tell, tell us about uh, the Beatles and because uh, it also says that a lot of the uh, tracks from the White Album were uh, among the uh, influences on the new your new album. Well, well, Phil, yeah, yeah, you're, you're the Beatles scholar, but um, <laughs> but I, I just ordered the new uh, deluxe package of the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Black oh, Band. Wow. So you got you got yes, yes. <laughs> to wow. get that. Um, but anyway, you know, I from the very beginning, I'm a Beatle maniac, and I, and it, that passion for the Beatles has never died. And in fact, just last month, I spent a lot of time in Rishikesh. Uh, we we filmed a music video, and a, a lot of it was filmed at the Beatles ashram. Oh, well, you know, they call right. it the Beatles ashram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think before, you know, at the ah. Outset, onset, whatever the word is, of every album that I've recorded, I I'm almost always pull out a Beatles album and listen to it and sort of like study it. I've studied these albums, and not not that I ever want to try to imitate because, well, first of all, that's hopeless, and second of all, well, why would you? But I get so much inspiration from the way they approach their songs and. Uh, you know, I, I think my album Mondo Rama, which also had had a Beatles song, it had Tomorrow Never Knows. Mm. That album, I was deep into Revolver and just referencing it. You know, well, if I get stuck in a production, what would the Beatles have done here? Um, you know, and then think of a George Harrison-ish guitar part and just try that. 
Anyway, for this album, you know, Kirtan songs are usually very, very, very long. Certainly in a live setting, there, you know, one song can go on for 45 minutes with, the, you know, tempo changes and melodic changes, but still the same thing. And so on my last bunch of albums, I've had very long tracks. This time I, I, I was thinking, well, how is it that I can listen to a Beatles song, two and a half, three minutes long, and when it's over, feel completely satisfied, you know, like just, just completely full from that song. And why can't we do that with a Kirtan song? So that was, you know, I was holding up that as kind of like a, a challenge for myself. But it, was, it wasn't only that. It was also because I had so many songs that I had been singing for, for quite a few years prior to making this album. And they all were like a piece of the mandala. They were all a piece of the whole. And there was, you know, I did. I, I didn't record every song that I've written since the last album. But, but these 12 songs had to be on it. So, you know, I, I was holding... I didn't get down to two and a half and three minutes, but <laughs> I I made them much more concise mm-hmm. than most people's Kirtan albums, and mm. and part of that was was you know a reference to the Beatles. I, I I just love the Beatles, you know. I love everything they did, and and certainly their journeys to India and and George Harrison's journeys into Indian music uh, were very inspiring to me. You know, I saw. <laughs> when the Beatles went to Rishikesh, and I was like pretty young then, I don't know, you know, that I followed that trip <laughs> long distance wise <laughs> very closely. <laughs> yeah. Well, the 50th anniversary is coming up well, in February. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I, Jai, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One is, uh, uh, what do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? You have a two hour ride and you're going to listen to music. And also, uh, you've performed all over the world. Uh, are there are there a few concerts that you've given that really stand out as really absolutely special uh, in regard to your own experience? Uh, um, well, there've been there've been some amazing concerts. I mean, just like experiences in the concerts. Uh, so I'll start with your second question first. Yeah, I remember there was one concert I did in the the Manaus Opera House. The Manaus is a, is a is a city in in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil, and the opera house there was built in the 1800s um, by the rubber barons. You know the the mm-hmm. guys, uh, and every every bit of that opera house was brought from Europe. And there's some movies about it, and um, you know great opera performers were there. And they asked me to. Uh, I, I was in Manaus. It was my first trip to Brazil. I was in Manaus and at a conference from uh, ITA, Interpersonal Transpersonal Association. Just, I don't remember. International Transpersonal Association. I think that's what it was Sounds called. Sounds right. <laughs> and, and I was invited to sing at the Opera House. And, you know, it was a completely transcendent experience. We didn't even need a sound system there. And, and, uh, it was, uh, I don't know, it just, well, first of all, it cemented my love for Brazil, which has developed over the years. I'm married to a Brazilian woman, and now, uh, you know, my main study musically is Brazilian guitar. Uh, 
But anyway, that was a great concert. And another great concert was when I first went to Israel. I guess it was about 25 years ago. And I performed at a, a festival called Shantipi, which was a, a intercultural festival of for peace with, uh, with between Israel and Palestine and the world, of course. And um, that concert was so moving. When I got off stage, I, I couldn't stop crying. And uh, it was also very surprising that people in the audience there, you know, a large part of them, and there was a couple thousand people there, knew my songs. That was surprised the heck out of me. But uh, I, I fe felt when I went to Israel for the first time, uh, it just such a connection to my ancient tribe. Um, mm -hmm. Really something else. Because, yeah, I mean, and anyway, and, and let's see, others. Um, you know, it was a great event that I will never forget was the first Chant for Change concert in Washington, D.C. It, it, it was the, the eve of the inauguration of uh, President Obama's first term. And there was great, great hope. And there was a, a belief and a feeling that the spiritual community, the bhakti community, should and must uh, be present in the world and interact with the world, not not retreat from the world. And, and so this big, it was a full-day event, um, uh, well, partially it was a celebration of, of the victory of Obama and and um, what we all hoped would be a new era of, so, of sorts. And it was a, just amazing, amazing, amazing concert. Um, I could sort of go on and on about this, Dennis. I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like I was re have been so lucky and blessed to have been um, able to sing and perform and share my music in places where, where, where every bit of energy that I put out actually came back to me a hundredfold. And, oh. uh, and um, you know, of course I've done my share of, like, <laughs> I'll never forget with my band, the Pagan Lover, driving to Santa Barbara to, to perform at the Santa Barbara Student Union, and there were three people in the audience. <laughs> so, oh, you know, I've done plenty of those, but I could go on and on about that. There's one festival that I've played at several times in Sao Paulo, Brazil, called Yoga Pelapais, which means yoga for peace. Mm -hmm. And it's it, 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 they're not doing it now, but it was a huge, huge free festival in the biggest park in Sao Paulo um, where, where there were some yoga classes and um, a couple of performances. And I had some of my best friends from L.A. were with me and then a bunch of Brazilian musicians were with me and and that was just something else and it was so great and then then one time i sang kirtan in this little hut in in uh in the town very very high up in the himalayas called badrinath and i was asked to sing and i was surrounded there was one or two americans but the rest were really saintly uh renunciates you know uh uh, men and women who were sadhus and deep on the spiritual path and they asked me to sing kirtan and i'll never forget that that was no. mm -hmm. you know so it's not all about big audiences right. and cool places no well that is a cool place that's a very holy place yeah mm -hmm. um and then what do i listen to in the car <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> uh, um well, I just got Bob Dylan's new album, Triplicate, and I haven't started it yet, but I can't wait to put that on the car. 
I listen to a lot of reggae. Um, I go through some periods where I listen to a lot of Bob Dylan. Uh, people give me albums to, to turn me on and I, to, you know, to, to share their own music with me. And that's usually when I listen to that. Mm. And what else is in my car? Oh, so tons of reggae. Oh, 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 Sly and the Family Stone. Wow. I uh, have all, everything that he's done in and uh, a bunch of records of 70s funk that I love, comp compilations. And um, back to more Bob Dylan. Uh, these days, I haven't been listening to the Beatles, but I'm sure when I get that new edition of Sgt. Pepper's with all the outtakes, that's going to go yeah. deep in there for a while. And yeah. and at home, well, probably 80% of what we listen to is Brazilian music. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's from the influence of my wife. And, and I just, you know, it's deeply fascinating, engaging, and I'm you know, in the process of exploring and discovering and learning that, and it's so great. Great. Hey, Phil, we now have time for one last yeah, question. Yeah, I want to I yeah. talk about the new album. Yeah. Jai, what can you tell us about Roots Rock Rama in, uh, and why in the press release does it say that you think it's the completion of a cycle? Um, well, yeah, I, it's funny, you know, you, t you put words to these things, but there's some way in which I feel and I, and this is a beautiful feeling but it's a very strong feeling that's kind of ephemeral, kind of hard to describe but I've been singing Kirtan for 50 years um, you know as sometimes very publicly and sometimes very privately but uh, for 50 years it's been the kind of root of my spiritual life which I don't consider different from any other part of my life you know it's the sort of so it's sort of been the foundation of my existence for 50 years and and I I feel like in this double CD that I've tried to to put all the experiences I've had into these songs and and make it kind of like a complete journey through the, the mandala of devotional moods that I know is just a, a tiny particle of what the infinite universe of devotional yoga uh, contains. But but it's, it's really been my full experience to date. I won't say that it, it contains every musical style I've ever explored, but it sure does contain a lot of them. Mm. And, you know, side one or CD one uh, kind of reflects the big uh, uh, anthemic uh, festival side of, of the kirtans that I've developed and worked on for so, so many years. You know, very uplifting, dance oriented, very reggae, but not only reggae uh, style kirtans. And, and CD two is a much more introverted um you know, kind of kirtan, more like what I do in my home, without an audience, without anybody listening to me. And it's 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 very Brazilian, but it's also just very psychedelic and, and dreamy. And, um, you know, I, I just, these days with the record business being what it is, I have sort of given up in a, in a you know, kind of a blue, blue kind of way. A little bit of a sad kind of a way of like ever making an album. Why should I make an album? People don't care about albums. But I I couldn't not do it. 
Mm. And then, then I was like, how can I do it? Because I don't have any money. And uh, these benefactors showed up and said, Jai, you've been part of our life for 20, 25 years. You've helped us through so many different times, uh, your music, that is. And now we are able, we want to just give you this gift to, uh, to finance the album. So, so there it was. And, and, you know, it could have been a single album. If I cut like three minutes off, it could have been a single. <laughs> but I yeah. felt that the moods were so distinct right. that it would be a much more uh, beautiful listening experience to divide them into, into CD1, which is called Rama Sun, and CD2, which is called Rama Moon. And again, it's back to albums. You know, I'm sitting here looking at our record player, River record player, and there on top of it is a vinyl Abbey Road and 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 next to it is Bob Marley's Legend. And those are just the ones that I can see from where I'm sitting. You know, side A and side B were yeah. where it was at. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I'm, a di- I, I'm a dinosaur, I guess. I still appreciate no, no, that form. Cycle. Everything comes back still to making the, new stuff. There's and, a and lot of young should. people. There's a lot of young people uh, buying vinyl. Uh, last summer I was in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, and uh, there was a section of town where there must have been eight or nine stores selling nothing but vinyl, and they were loaded with millennials, bought, picking millennials, up all the yeah. classics. It was amazing. And uh, yeah. so uh, they'll, they'll all be in continue. Brooklyn soon. Yeah, yeah, they are. All, they're all in Brooklyn now. Yeah. I, I <laughs> want to return to Brooklyn. Yeah, I would love to turn this into a vinyl, but. But right now, you know, I have yeah. to think of finances and business. And right. I think the yoga community, uh, which I hope it's not limited to, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's a big vinyl community. But world music community might be more. And I hope, you know, the door isn't closed to putting this out on vinyl. The artwork is would look so beautiful, you know, in a bigger format. I, I was going to say the... the uh, I'm looking at the CD cover and I was thinking it would really look great blown up into LP size. Right. Yeah. We should also mention that every for every copy of the album sold, a tree will be planted to combat deforestation around the world. Uh, I'm so glad you remembered to say that. Uh, just this morning, I'm uh, computing how many I've sold so far. You know, it's just been out a couple of weeks, and and I'm about to send a check to to OneTreePlanted.org. It's a, it's just a, I'm so happy and you know proud really to to have partnered with them on this, and of course, you know downloads and streaming and whatnot won't affect that equation. But anyone who buys a CD will know that a tree will be planted. Great. That's great. Jay, uh, thank you so very much for your time today. Again, the album Roots Rock Rama uh, available and uh, great, great luck with that. And I look forward to hearing you perform in person sometime. In the and, and, and before we leave, please, uh, you do Kirtan camps and perhaps you'd like to let people know about oh, that. Yeah. 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 For 15 years, um, I've been leading, along with my wife and, and some other accompanying musicians, twice a year, a full week of kirtan practice and kirtan uh, sharing and learning about the music. And every winter we do it in a very exotic, cool place um, 
We've done it in India. We've done it in Brazil. We've done it in Guatemala, Costa Rica. This next winter will be in Costa Rica. And every summer we do it near our home. And it's usually non-residential. Uh, we help people find places to stay. And, and during the week, uh, will I share whew, everything that I'm able to share with, with everyone. And my wife teaches and, and, and we do a lot of, uh, uh, sorry, a lot of kirtan. But I feel the beauty of it is that everybody comes with this intention to, to heal and open and share their hearts. So it becomes this incredible community of, of devotion. And um, we all become, the t we're all teaching each other and leading each other. And it's, it's the greatest. And we have uh, the summer camp is coming on August 9th, uh, August 8th rather. And it's in Fairfax. I love this because it's, Five minutes from my home, uh, and we should say that's that's uh, Northern California, Marin County. Yeah, there's because there's actually a lot of Fairfaxes in the country. You're right. Yeah, but it's it's just outside of San Francisco. It's close to Berkeley, close to Oakland, and um, yeah, it'll be a week. And and for the summer camp, my good friend, good good buddy Daniel Paul will once again be co-teaching. He's a tabla player, and a, and a singer and. Uh, in the winter camp, Vishwambar from the Mayapuris will be co-teaching with me. He's a Murdunga player. And my wife, Nubia Teixeira, uh, she organizes and arranges it and teaches yoga and teaches about the, all the deities and families of, of, of the Indian tradition. Wonderful. So it's pretty cool. It's <laughs> Phil, I'd, I'd like events. to take it. How about you? I wish I could take the time to do that. It would be a lot sure. of fun. Why don't you guys do it? Hey, who knows? August might be possible. <laughs> and we'll have that information posted up on our blog uh, at uh, Spirit Matters Talk. So, uh, again, uh, uh, Jai, thank you so very much. Keep doing the good work. Uh, it's wonderful what you're doing. And uh, we were happy that you took the time to come on, or happy that you took the time to come on. Well, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, and it's, I, I really appreciate you're inviting me and, uh, you know, supporting what I do and, you know, yeah, it yeah. can't be understated. Yeah. Thank Great. you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jai.